This is a Podcast 225 production. Welcome to the Clay Young Show. Long, long week, and we are grinding it to a close. Welcome to the Clay Young Show, our third edition of the show this week. You know, this is generally a weekly podcast, but with everything going on in Baton Rouge, I just felt like it was an opportunity for understanding on both sides. Now, the first two shows from this week featured a conversation with State Representative Ted James. Today features an elected official and one of the people at the center of what's going on in Baton Rouge right now. I intended when this week started to accomplish a few smaller goals, but one main goal. The main one was to let listeners hear from both sides of the equation and what's happening with Alton Sterling's family, protesters on the side of the family, law enforcement supporters, and if I could, members of the law enforcement community or former members of the law enforcement community. And to be more clear, I wanted people to have a chance to hear the argument from the other side, okay? If you disagree with the protesters, if you disagree with the position that some have taken about what happened on July 5th, then I wanted you to have the opportunity to actually hear people who support the protests and who are involved in the protests. And as you will hear today, someone even closer to what went on, I wanted you to hear them offer their opinion. I wanted you to hear them offer their position to tell you where they were coming from. Conversely to that, if you are someone who believes that this was murder, that there is a really large problem going on with law enforcement, and you think that protesting and trying to facilitate change to the end that you think is necessary, I also wanted you on that side to be able to hear from people who say that law enforcement did not murder this young man or or law enforcement has the right and the responsibility to make certain that these protests don't get out of hand. And then there is the racial undertone that goes along with this that we will deal with on both sides. And so in these conversations with people, I plan to do a whole lot more listening because I want to understand and I want you all to be able to understand. Does that make sense? And so we spoke with Ted James about a great number of things. I've gotten very positive feedback about that show or or those shows. And today we are going to sit down with Metro Council member Lamont Cole and Sandra Sterling, the aunt who helped raise Alton Sterling. Now, that wasn't initially the plan. Uh, Lamont had agreed to come in to talk about what had been happening with the protests and give his thoughts on last week's events. Okay? And as I walk out to the lobby, you'll hear me talk about that in the body of the interview. As I walk out to my lobby to, to greet him to come back to the studio... Ms. Sterling is with him, to my surprise. And she came in and she spoke openly about her last 10-day experience and what has happened. She talked about the evening that, or the, the, 
the night that Alton Sterling was shot. And she talked about her as my phone must have heard me say something. Siri just eavesdropping picks up on things along the way. And I don't know what that's about. But anyway, you know, all these phones are listening to us. So uh, she talks with me about the last week and this week. And I think you're going to learn some things about her that many of you, me included, did not know because we don't really know her. One thing that she was consistent about is that she wants peace. She's going to talk about what she did for a living, which may surprise some people because it actually has an impact on her relationship with law enforcement. So I really enjoyed the conversation and I hope you will too, whether you disagree or agree with Councilman Cole or Ms. Sterling, I hope that you will take the time to listen to them. Now, our next show will be for, will be with former Baton Rouge Police Chief Pat Inglade. And I've known Pat a long time, like Pat a lot, and we're going to have a chance to talk about this from his perspective. So this is a very long conversation. It went on for more than an hour. I did not know that Miss Sterling was going to be here with us. I'm glad she came. I did enjoy the conversation. And again, she speaks openly about a great number of things, and I think people are going to learn a lot from this interview. So without further delay, we'll take a quick break and we'll come back with Metro Council member Lamont Cole representing Council District number seven in Baton Rouge, where this incident took place, and Sandra Sterling, Alton Sterling's aunt, who at the age of 10, she along with her sisters took the responsibility of raising him. That conversation is next. Promote your business or organization on Podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the Podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Welcome back to The Clay Young Show. Back with Lamont Cole. And, you know, Cole is full of surprises. So I walk out to my lobby to greet him. And he did not come alone. Sandra Sterling is with him as we sit to record this podcast. First of all, man, that's that's kind of a surprise. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, knew you were yeah. setting me up with that surprise, yeah, right? Definitely, definitely. I, um, you know, we've been speaking every day um, since the tragic incident took place, and um, you know, behind the scenes, just trying to be supportive. Sandra and I go back over ten years, sure. and so just trying to be supportive. We gonna get a bite to eat today, and I mm-hmm. told her I was coming out here to talk to you, and she said, um, I love to come. So I didn't tell you she was coming because I knew it be a surprise it was indeed a surprise and i want to talk with you both because there's so much to discuss from the aspect of the protesters and all of the different stories that are out there about what's going on i watched a lot of that over the weekend on the advocates feed and i saw you and then earlier in the uh, late last week i saw that you were asking people if they're going to protest to do it peacefully and i've been asking people the same thing because you, you we, we don't need any more bloodshed in this town right it's tough enough as it is but uh, first of all, let me ask you, Sandra, how are you this morning? Um, I can say I'm better than I was three days ago. Okay. 
Let's talk. Get a little closer to that mic. I'll move it right there. Let's let's talk about the the morning of Tuesday, July fifth, or the afternoon when this happened. How did you hear about the incident? Um, I got a call on my phone, and it was one thirty in the morning. Well, I'm used to calls coming in because I'm a bellbun agent, so I just figured it was a bellbun call because I answered my phone bellbuns. I said, Sandra, Alton is on the ground. I said, on the ground where? She said, at the store. I just started screaming. So I jumped up, because I don't stay far from the store. So when I got to the store, I seen the tape, and the police out there, I said, excuse me, sir, I called him my son because. Sure. You raised him from what age? Um, I think he might have been 10 when, okay. when my sister passed away. Okay. And then I asked him, I said, because I said, is that my son? Is my, I said, they called me and said my son had been on the ground and hurt. He said, ma'am, we can't answer those questions. I said, okay, well, let me tell you his name. I said, his name is Alton Sterling. He said, ma'am, we can't tell you anything. So when I saw his legs, I'm trying to get through the tape. So they tried to taser me with the um, taser gun. They tried to taser you? Yeah, they tried to taser me with the taser gun. So I just put my hands up and backed up. I said, okay, well, I'm going to drive around the corner. So when I drove around the corner, where, where I was, I couldn't see him anymore. I said, well, where is he? Because he was right there. So then I seen an ambulance there. <clears throat> so when the ambulance left, I said, oh, they turned the lights. I said, well, good. Alton's okay. I'm going to the hospital with Alton. So then as I was going to my car, a whole bunch of police officers coming that way. So I stayed to the side. So wait a minute, something must have been going on. So I'm on the advisory board of Stop the Violence. So I okay. go to the crime scenes all the time. Okay. So I called the president of Keon Press. I said, Keon, something's happened. He said, I'm on my way. So by the time he got there, he had already talked to the coroner. And he came hugging me. I said, yeah. I said, come on, let's go to the house. He said, no, Alton is dead. I said, no, he's not. I said, he left in that ambulance. He said, no, I need you to come around the corner so you can see. So when I got around the corner, that's when I saw him on the ground and I passed out. He was, he was still on the ground? Yeah, he was on the ground. And so you see this, you pass out, you come to, what, what, what were your emotions? Was it fear, anger? I mean, what were you feeling? I was, I was angered and I was hurt. And then I started calling people that I know. I, first I text um, my pastor, Yvonne Dunn, and then I text Mr. Cole. It was 1.30 in the morning, so sure. I know they wouldn't get it. It was like 1.30 in the morning, I text Mr. Cole, and then I called my sisters. I say, something has happened to Alton. And then they just started screaming. I hung the phone up. So then when everybody came, that's when there was just so many police officers out there. And I seen Hilla Moore. He know me. I'm a bell bun agent. Sure. I called him. I say, Mr. Moore. I say, Hilla. Hilla. And he looked back at me and he turned around and kept walking. And then that's when the crowd started coming. I was, it was devastating. What was your first conversation with law enforcement and who did you speak to first? An hour later, um, I think. Gene, Gene, Gino? Yeah, uh, yeah, Gino McNeely. Gino McNeely. Yeah. Gino McNeely came up. He said, I say, Gene, find out. I say, because they say my son did. He said, Sandra, I'm finna go and check because I don't know what's going on. I'm going to go. He didn't come back. Then another guy came up. It was about an hour later. Then Daylight had said, he said, um, um, who's out here in charge? I said, I am. I said, Sandra, I said, that's my child. And my sister said, no, that's, that's his, her nephew. I said, well, okay, well, my nephew. But we want to know what's going on because he said, well, it is, in fact, Alton Sterling, and he is dead. And we were saying, well, who shot him? Did someone shoot him? And he said, that's all we could tell you. At, time we, at that time, we still didn't know that the police officer had shot him. We were still thinking it was a random. Sure. When did you find out that he was shot by a police officer? Um, 
about let's say about five o'clock that morning. About so that was roughly three and a half, four hours later. Four hours later. So who told you that he was shot by a police officer? Um, we got a call from the store. Okay, you got a call from the store. Mm-hmm. So you first heard he was shot by a police officer from the store owner. Not the store owner. It was someone who worked in the store. Someone who works in the store. Yeah, and I say when she called, me, I said, "What happened?" She said, "The police shot him." So, I don't think she. I don't know if she was in the store or not. I don't know. So if how she did was she know? That's confusing me. Well, maybe she was in the store. Because so many people were out there, and I'm yeah. pretty sure that there was a lot of conversation. Lot. She knew a lot. She knew a so, lot. So as, as day breaks, go, go ahead. Okay, it's a 24-hour store. She was in the store. Okay, so as, as day breaks and more people are hearing about this uh, and trying to understand what was going on, because it's the day after the 4th, people are getting back into town. Some people had been up late before celebrating Independence Day. So when we get to the mid-morning, and this news is really spreading. I mean, it didn't really catch national fire until late Tuesday evening into Wednesday, but around the region, people were starting to hear about it. When you first had interaction after the fact, you knew that that Alton was dead, you knew that he had been shot by a police officer, and you didn't know many other details because that video wasn't released until later in the day. I mean, you may have seen it before before it was out. I, you know, I didn't see it until days after. So you didn't see it until days after. So then getting into the day, you know this, and you've, I'm sure in your mind you have a lot of blanks that you're trying to fill. You're trying to figure what happened. What were your conversations with the police department or Hiller's office or whoever to try to find piece together what went on? None. Nobody came to us. Nobody came to us. And when did you talk with, when did you first talk with any official on any level? It was uh, the governor. The first official you spoke to was John Bell? Yes, sir. No officials contacted me. Nobody contacted me. It was the governor. So you haven't, have you, ha- have you spoken to Kip at all since this thing has happened? No, sir. So this goes. But tell him who did contact you on yesterday. Oh, the president of the United States. President Obama called you. Yes, sir. Uh, I want to come back to that because uh, we're going to work our way through this week. So, Wednesday, Tuesday night going into Wednesday. By the time we get to Wednesday morning, Good Morning America led with this story. The Today Show talked about it. It was in their A block, and CBS News had it in their A block. The Associated Press had picked it up overnight because it hit the New Orleans Bureau wire, and I knew that it was going to spread. So now the nation is aware of this and what has gone on, what had gone on. On that Wednesday, when this was now the top trending subject on social media and people were talking about it, what was that Wednesday like? Um, honestly, I was, I was there, but I wasn't there. For the first three days, I was out there. But I wasn't there because on the fourth day when I came, I say, I'm asking everybody, where were you? Why weren't you out here? Everybody saying, we were here with you. I didn't see anybody. Right. I didn't see anybody. So then we get to, so Lamont, and before I move on, let's, let's you as well with this. You said that Sandra had texted you and you mm-hmm. saw it. The I woke up the, that morning, at, you know, I get up early. So I woke up at about 4.30. Okay. And the first thing I did was read my text messages. Sure. And um, I read the message from her and I said, you know, I offer my condolences to the family. And the first call I made 
uh, was to one of my friends in the police department. Yeah. Um, who shall remain nameless because he gave me some information at sure. that time sure. that he perhaps shouldn't have uh, about what had gone on. And, so, and I just want to make sure everybody knows, if you don't know, Lamont is uh, is a, a sitting member of the city council, of yes, the metro sir. council. Yes, sir. District 7. D- so this district actually seven. happened in my district. That's, that's exactly right. So, right. so go ahead. And so I text Sandra back and said that I had reached out to someone at the police department and they had given me the same information. But I was going to try to do some further investigation in terms of uh, what actually had gone on. Um, that was on Tuesday morning. So all day Tuesday, uh, I'd been talking to people, just trying to get more information about it. But I guess at that time, it was hush-hush. Nobody okay. was saying anything. I was over um, having lunch, a late lunch with a friend, actually Terrell Jackson. Mm-hmm. And uh, we both got a text at the exact same time. And it was the, a, a video. And so we both watched the video. So this was the middle of the day. This was about on, 3.30 on Tuesday. On Tuesday, July that's right. July 5th, right. Because it was later in the afternoon, later early afternoon, late afternoon, early evening when it hit news, Facebook. Right. Yeah. It hit Facebook. Yeah, I got the... It I hit got Facebook the, before it hit the news, right. really. I got the video before it actually hit Facebook. Right. Right. And then um, I think there are a few of us, um, black males in the community that are, are connected to the area. And so when things, information goes out, it goes out to a certain group. And then mm-hmm. it's, you know, like a pyramid, it starts sure. to spread. And sure. so it starts at the bottom and goes out. So what happens is I think we might have been on the second tier of individuals who got that particular video text. And so when I got it and I saw it, you know, my first thought was um, I need to talk to Sandra. Yeah. And so I started calling, but her phone kept to going see, straight. To see, had she seen the video? Well, to check on her because okay. I knew if she had seen it, it was going to be tough. Absolutely. So I, um, her phone kept going straight to voicemail. I kept going straight to voicemail. So the next call I got was, you know, everyone's at the store. I said, I'm on my way. So I immediately I went to the store. And um, at that moment in time, I learned of a second video. Right. All right. Now, I didn't see it. But, but I, that, was, that wasn't, wasn't released until the day after. Right. But I learned about it. I didn't yeah. see it. But someone pulled me to the side and told me, listen, there's a second video, and the second video is far worse than the first. And I said, does anyone have it? And then, you know, they said, no, no, but there's a second video. I said, damn. And so, you know, we went through that process on Tuesday, and, you know, we were all out there. And I stayed out there, I say, from 4.30 to about 10.30 that night, just talking to different people. You know, everyone was in a, you know, I want to say a celebratory mood celebrating his life, so to speak, because everyone was talking about what a good guy he was. A lot of my former students, a lot of the students I went to school with, they knew uh, Alton, and so they were telling me about him and <clears throat> just making an assumption that I knew him personally because they knew I knew his, his aunt and they knew I'd been around the community it's you know, okay 35 years. At, at, she stepped yeah, in at 10. She stepped in, that's right. And so we, we stayed out there for a long time, and then on Wednesday, um, all day, I began talking to some people on the ground about what potentially was getting ready to happen in our city as a result of this video. Which was? Uh, protests, yeah. demonstrations, right. uh, some complete chaos if we, as members of the community, didn't work to try as best we could or as best we can to keep some level of control. Um, the, the message I received from some of the elders in our community was be careful, Code. These things have a way of taking on a life of their own. What do they mean by that? Well, 
what exactly is happening. You know, we have right. uh, police officers or police departments from other parishes coming into our city. We have a lot of people who have traveled to the city to protest. Right. And, you know, oftentimes uh, when different individuals from different communities, let me right. say it that way, police departments and as well as other, you know, protesters coming from elsewhere, visit your community. Sometimes their way of addressing matters is perhaps a little different than what you might want to do right. based on the tenor and the culture that we have here in Baton Rouge. And so we started talking about that. And then in the, in the process of talking about that, of course, you know, I spoke with C. Denise Marcel. I spoke with Ted James. You know, Ted and I talk almost every day. I spoke with C. Denise. I spoke with other some other uh, community leaders. And we all, again, you know, we were going over to the store. And then Denise and Keon planned a vigil that night. Well, when I got to the vigil, um, Sandra was almost incapacitated. Mm -hmm. um, she couldn't even do it because she had just seen the second video. Uh. All right. And so they were trying to start the vigil. She was in the store, uh, hysterical in, in the store. And so um, everybody was panicking. <laughs> and interestingly enough, Keon looked at me and said, Cole, go get her. And I said, uh, you sure? He said, yeah, go get her. So I went in the store and... Um, we talked. I don't even know if Sandra remembers this. And we talked, mm -hmm. and her sisters were trying to calm her down, and you know she wouldn't calm down. And we spoke. And um, I've always known Sandra to be a very strong woman, um, extremely strong. We worked together for two years at Capital Middle School, and um, I could always count on her to take care of business, you know, sure. whatever needed to be taken care of. She always did it. And you know we we used to get into it sometime, and that's how we end up becoming close because I have an open mind. I don't mind people telling me different things, and um. Cole she, can be a knucklehead. Sometimes. Yeah, and so you know, she would tell me stuff, you know, straight like it is. Sometimes, you know, and and that's how we end up uh, getting real cool. And then over the years, we see each other talk, and uh, and you know, she's always had my back. And so I felt like it was important to go in there and uh, make sure that the people saw how strong she could be based on uh, who she is in our community and so many people that she's helped. And so we went in, and you know, I stood with her the entire time on the vision to make sure that. She had somebody to lean on in sure. the event that things got a little bit challenging because that evening, and you know, news reports are not going to say this. There were probably about three thousand people in the street on Foster and, and Fairfield, just all wow. over. You know, from as far as uh, the corner of Greenwood Springs Road and Foster, all the way over to Choctaw and Foster, people were everywhere. And again, it was a celebratory mood. Different people spoke. Um, TJ was playing um, gospel music the entire evening. And so, you know, Sandra spoke did an eloquent job of, you know, begging the community, pleading with the community to do the right thing. To know? be peaceful. To be peaceful. So this is, but, and this is Wednesday. Wednesday. Evening. Less than 48 hours yes. after. And I do remember the call for peace at that time. And yes. I know that this is kind of sketchy in your mind because it's, it's I'm sure it's been a blur the last few days. But y'all immediately went to telling people it's okay to protest. But if you want to do it do it peacefully why were y'all so uh passionate about doing that you know so aggressive to get out to tell people be calm stay peaceful with me i never seen that many people in my life in one little small setting and you know it was hot that day it was yeah. real hot it's hot every day and it was that many people we we really didn't have enough water for that many people so i know it was going to be some frustrating frustration going on so like you said, I was out of it, but I took a minute to say what I had to say, and I think I passed out after you that. You did, yeah. yeah. She passed, passed completely out, yeah. right on the ground, right in front of the store. 
And uh, she probably doesn't even remember this. I had to carry her, like <laughs> literally pick her up and carry her to yeah. a vehicle. And um, I picked her up myself. Now, not by alone, myself and another gentleman. We, we picked her up, took her to the vehicle. You know, yeah. everybody was going crazy, hysterical. You know, people started crying and screaming and yelling, of course. And, you know, I remained calm. Sure. And um, we took her to the vehicle because, you know, there was a nurse there who checked her pulse. And, you know, she had a pulse and she kept opening her eyes. So we figured she'd be okay if we got her to a vehicle, got some air, got her right. some water. So we did that. And then at that moment, I didn't plan to speak at, at the vigil, but I wanted to carry her message. And so um, I went back and I spoke to the crowd and just explained to them that, listen, you know, there's about to be a lot of media outlets in our city covering uh, this particular event. And this again, this is before the two other events in the nation. Well, we'll and get so, to that because later Wednesday night. Exactly. Uh, Minnesota later that took place. Yeah. Yes. And so actually um, about the same time, if you think about it, as we, the, the people didn't learn about it until later in the night. Right. And so, um, you know, I went back and said, you know, we have to do this the right way. And see, I think that and, and we'll probably get to this part of what happened on Friday evening. But and I, I love the opportunity to explain my absolutely. position. There, absolutely. Absolutely. My thought process, having been out here in the civil rights movement sure. now for a long time, mm -hmm. I've been to protests, mm -hmm. demonstrations. I've been a part of um, demonstrations where we totally disrupted the natural order of, of a city based on our protests, our organized protests in, in some cities. Um, and these are things I don't talk about very often because it's nobody's business. I'm just concerned about getting the work done. And during the times when there were reasons for us to protest about various issues over the last 15, 20 years, I've had an opportunity to work with groups that were extremely organized. And so I kept saying, be organized. And I think that point missed a lot of people in terms of what I meant by that. I think people were thinking I was saying, don't protest. Don't do this a certain way. I was simply saying, let's be organized in anything that we do that will bring attention to the wrong that has been done. Because if the protest or the demonstrations don't bring attention to the wrong that has been done, then it's just a bunch of people being acting foolish. We have to bring attention to this tragedy because it is a tragedy that is taking place in our city. And if we're going to get to a healing process, we got to go through a pain process. And some sure. of the pain has to be to naturally disrupt the order or disrupt the natural order of things that are happening in our city. We have to bring awareness to it to make people say, hey, what is going on? It has to be at on, a, on almost every corner in the city. There has to be something going on that suggests we're having a problem. And why are we having this problem? We're having a problem because a young black male who was doing nothing more than trying to provide for his family was in his own community in a store where he had permission to be there on private property and police came and did something to him. So there's a different narrative there that we got to talk about that nobody's talking about nationwide as it relates to the police who, from a foundational history perspective, have been sworn to protect property, but went on private property and perpetrated this event. And everybody will talk about what went on and Alton not listening to the police. But there's another responsibility piece to that. It's not Alton's responsibility to control that situation. Well, let's because uh, I do want to get to that. And I yeah. do want to give you as much time as you need to, to talk about here. This Ted was here yesterday and we had to do a two part because he yeah. talks so much. Right. I understand. Um, who was Alton? Alton was a good kid. Alton loved to make everybody laugh because he was a big kid all his life. And all he did was want to make somebody laugh. He was a good kid. When you hear, because there's a lot of discussion about his criminal background, 
and that he had had interaction with police before. And we've seen that out there, and we were chatting about that a little bit ago. Talk about that. Well, when I woke up this morning and I saw, I read what I read um, on Channel 9, um, I was upset, and I, I deleted their page, and I'm no longer affiliated with Channel 9. Um, I feel like everybody have a past. You know, and I think the bigger people who are looking at it probably just got it expunged. Um, well, we can't see the history, but why would you bring something that that's so irrelevant? They're taking the focus off what happened at night. You know, Cole, you've heard this. The case has been made that because of Alton's past, that that had an impact on what went on between him and the police that evening. Uh, respond to that, both of you, but but speak to that point that people are saying that he he wasn't a saint. And I'm sure you've read that. You've seen mm-hmm. that. There's a lot of comments being made on social media right. about it. I told somebody last week, I did a radio interview, that I was going to stay out of the mid- middle of making, uh, giving opinions because I didn't know Alton Sterling. Mm-hmm. And and most people don't. And so it, it's, it's, it's not for me to do. Generally speaking, I just want to understand and give you a chance to say what you want to say without anybody twisting it, editing it, doing it, anything else. Talk about that, and what you're hearing. About, think about this. Do you think the police knew that night about Alton had, had, did that in 1994? Right. They had no idea. So why bring it up now? What was your relationship? Did you have, well, you, you have a company that does uh, your bail bonds. Yeah, I'm a, yeah be yeah. straight out bail bonds. So what was your relationship with law enforcement in this town before July 5th? Impeccable. I do. I do an average of ten bonds a day. Okay. And they know me very well. And I, I do my bonds, and they see me all the time because I'm always there doing the bonds. Sure. So it was. A, it was a good relationship, and it still is a good relationship. I asked Ted this question yesterday, and he answered it. And I want to ask you this question: Do you think the Baton Rouge Police Department is a racist police department? Ooh, that's a that's a heavy question. Um. And I, let me let, can I approach it this Absol- way? However you want from, to. From, from this perspective, I think that we have to consider um, human brutality. Turn that mic a little bit more. I'm I think we have to up. consider uh, human brutality. All right. Uh, as we look at any organization or department or, of gathering of people who have organized themselves a certain way, everyone uh, in the organization doesn't think the same way. All right. What happens from from the uh, 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 ground level perspective with a lot of these organizations as they grow, they lose their mission. And some vigilantes in the organization take on their own ideologies and want to perpetrate different things based on their personal beliefs. And oftentimes when people start working, they leave their, uh, they're supposed to leave their personal beliefs at home, but they bring them to work with them, all right? I think what has happened in Baton Rouge in the police department based on the hiring practices, based on background checks, based on uh, the way the police trains individuals, they miss something in some of the people that are being hired. What do they miss? They're missing what they believe about people from a personal perspective. They're missing their prejudices from a personal perspective. So when you ask me, do I think the department is racist? Well, you know, I'm one of those people who define racism from a new perspective. You can only be a racist if you have the ability to control the outcome of my life. 
black people don't have the ability in general to control the outcome of white people's lives because most black people are not in an economic position to control the outcome of another individual's life simply based on his or her race. Now, if we flip that around, there are a whole lot of white people in our country in an economic position to control the outcome of other racist lives. Therefore, they can be racist. But you're talking about the, the way that you are approaching this seems to be about the individual, not about the institution. The many, 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 many individuals that are a part of the institution. Yes, but, sir. But not the institution Not as a the whole. institution itself. Because, again, from a ground level, police departments, there are two different sides of this, this, the history of the research. One side says that when police departments were created, they were created to control slaves. So from that perspective, what we see happening in the police departments is just a carryover from years of controlling slaves. And so they look at black people as slaves. And so what they do and why we see so much violence perpetrated in our neighborhoods is because police departments are still trying to control slaves. But some would say the history being what it is, that strides have been made to try to gain understanding. Well, that's the one side. And there's another side that says police departments were created to protect property sure and so when police officers were created or departments were created they were supposed to protect property so if something or someone was doing something to treat someone's property inappropriately they would protect the property by punishing the person who was doing that so what we've seen over the years now in my opinion is that individuals who work for police departments have prejudices about the people that they've been sworn to protect. And based on their prejudices, they're trying to do things to harm those individuals. And I think we have far too many people in our police departments around the country who are prejudiced towards black people. And as a result of that, when they find themselves in a conflict with a conflict with a black person, all of the prejudice come to the surface. Because you know, when we get into tense situations, we lean on what we know, not on what we've been taught. And there's a difference. So People are leaning on what they know and what they believe, and they're perpetrating or, or treating people based on that. And I think that what has happened in our country, we've seen a lot of black men as a result of that die. So we have a human brutality issue in our country where individuals who work for police departments are killing other men under the shield of being a police officer. And that's a problem because police unions around this country have structured their union policies such that police officers are protected. There's a such thing as blind loyalty. And I think far too often in this country we see officers who are loyal to other officers blindly. No matter what the officer has done, they have blind loyalty, so if the officer did it, no matter right or wrong, they side with the officer. We gotta get to a point where we can call wrong, wrong, no matter who did it. And I think that's what's happening with our police departments. Sandra, so same question. Do you think the police department is racist? Only thing I, I've been doing bail bonds since 2010, and I mean I don't see it. I mean, I, I see them and I go. I do my bonds and sure. I go, and I, I see them a lot. When they bring them in, I'd be glad to get them out. So I don't see the racism part in it. I mean, far as you know, what you're talking about, just I mean I haven't seen it. What? So let's move now, Lamont, Sandra, through last week yes sir wednesday happens we uh, hear about and see the aftermath of what happened with philando castile and really late in the evening and thursday morning 
that was all over the news. What was your reaction, both of you, but you, you first, your reaction to that? When I woke up and saw it, I thought, I thought it was like a, um, a TV show I was watching. I didn't know it was reality. I didn't know that that was really happening. But when I found it, I said, oh, my God, this world is just going to, just, just too crazy for me. I, I was in disbelief. I couldn't believe it. But I'm so glad that she pulled the phone out. I'm so glad that she pulled the phone out and recorded it because it would have been, had she not, it would have just been blind justice again. Lamont? I was in complete disbelief. Um, in the back of my mind, I said, here we go again. And then immediately my mind went to, we're getting ready to have a serious, serious, serious problem, not just in Baton Rouge, but around the country because people are tired. You know, people are sick and tired of being sick and tired of watching um, people die in the street. And what I also recognized from that particular video, and again, as Sandra just said, I am so happy the woman had the wherewithal and was so calm as she was recording everything and then t and, and, and talking about it you know, almost narrating what was happening. Because what it showed is that this particular officer killed this man for absolutely no reason at all, none whatsoever. And then uh, as I'm watching that, I'm saying to myself, there are gonna be some people from the other side, whether it be uh, individuals from different ethnic backgrounds who typically side with the police, they're gonna look at that video and say, you know what, I, I absolutely can say anything against what I just observed because um, there was no reason for that officer to kill that man at that moment in time. And then when I saw how eloquently his mom spoke the next morning about what had gone on, I said, this is about to be a serious, serious problem. And then when we learned about what Philando did as, as for a living and the type of individual he was, I said, this is about to be a problem, not just for the police department in Minnesota, but for our country based on how these demonstrations, how the protests are going to proceed. Because now, many, 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 many people are going to act on their emotion, rightfully so. Sure. People are angry, people are frustrated, people are mad, people are hurt. That's not a great combination for an individual to be in as he seeks justice. And so I knew it was coming, I knew it was coming. And my only concern was the children because I work with children and I was very concerned about them. So later that evening, uh, you know, both that was Thursday, uh, yeah, Thursday, both the case with Alton and Philando had dominated the news by Thursday. Uh, the president spoke Thursday evening, and it, I know that it was around six o'clock because I volunteered at a coach as a coach at one of the Y's, and I was mm -hmm. listening to it before I got out of my truck. And by the time I got out, got home, probably within an hour and a half. We're starting to hear about something going on in Dallas. Dallas, right. And I'm getting all these push notifications from all these news sites. And so I notice it, but I don't notice it because by then, I'm sure I know like y'all and like many people, you're on information overload. Right. And it's like, wow. So it took me a minute before I went in to see what was going on, turn, in the cable, turn on the cable news, and it's like, what the hell is happening? Right. So then you hear about this later in the evening that these officers had been shot uh, more than uh, nearly a dozen shot five of them had been killed and a couple of civilians had been shot as well i saw you friday morning on cnn yeah talking about this saying that this is not what we need to be doing we don't right. need to be killing or shooting at officers right. 
and I, I saw that you had called for peace. I only caught a snippet of something you had said. I didn't see the full statement. So both of you, uh, you first, but I want you to talk about your reaction and elaborate on a lot of what you said on CNN because I stayed to watch that until it was done once I saw you there because mm-hmm. it was on in my office. But your, your reaction to that? Again, I was in disbelief, and it took me back to, um, um, I think it was either early May, when I heard a newsca- a newscaster make this statement, this is gonna be the deadliest summer. And that what came back to my mind, I said, that man, he, he, he saw what was gonna happen. And I felt so sorry for those guys, but the media blew my phone up and the only thing I could tell them is, I'm sorry that happened. What did they want from you? They wanted to know my reaction. I said, I'm sorry that happened. I didn't send that man down there to kill anybody. Right. I'm mourning over my child. Right. Nephew was dead, so I'm working on this, and I'm saying to find out that they ju- they were doing a rally for my nephew was such an honor, and it was a peaceful nephew. It was a peaceful rally, what they were doing. This act would happen afterwards, and I just didn't know what to tell him. Like I never been in Dallas before in my life. I'm sorry that happened, but I didn't know that man who who, who did that act. I didn't sure. know him. Did you feel like? There were people trying to make a connection between what happened here yeah. and his actions in they Dallas. They were, they were, they were trying to make that connection, and I was telling me it has nothing to do with what's going on in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I was just focused on, on Alton. My heart went out to Minnesota. Sure. But my mind was here. Right. It's just, it just I just couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't control everything. I, my mind wouldn't even touch nothing but here. That's interesting about. Yeah about that right. but your re- I want to come back to that but your re- your reaction to what happened in Dallas and then elaborate on what you said I, f- I don't remember which anchor was interviewing you but on CNN on uh, Friday that was Wolf Blitz Wolf, that, it was Wolf yeah um, well keep in mind from the time I learned of what happened um, in Dallas on Thursday evening to the time of the interview on Friday morning I received different information so if on Thursday evening when I learned I didn't I hadn't learned of the comments uh, the, the the shooter made when they went in to talk to him or sure. when the negotiator was talking to him. I, we just learned that five officers been killed. So immediately when I hear about anybody's loss of life, my heart goes out to their families. So immediately I thought, goodness gracious, five at one time, one city, doing a peaceful protest for a young man here um, who'd been killed by the police. The irony that at that peaceful protest, five police officers are killed. That's, that's just unfortunate. My heart goes out to the families and it's just wrong behavior to be exhibiting during this time. I just felt that it was wrong. Um, you know, it's conflicting too, for this reason, at when you know someone who's connected to the family, as I know Sandra, your heart and your thoughts and your prayers are here on the ground with the people that you know. And keep in mind, it had been an extremely emotional week for me, just having been with her, her passing out, me having to carry her, me getting that text message first thing in the morning, me standing there at the vigil that evening holding her hand the entire time trying to make sure she was okay. It was just extremely emotional. So when I see these, this video of these five officers being, being killed, I said, goodness gracious, what are we doing? And I, and I say that we because I'm, what are we doing in America? What, you know, where did we go wrong? How did we lose control so quickly? And so that, those are the thoughts that went through my mind. And then the next morning, 
I got the call that they wanted to speak with me that afternoon. And so the, the um, Wolf Blitzer interview happened um, in the morning. Excuse right. me. It was, right. it was in the morning because I did the Don Lemon Thursday afternoon uh, prior to uh, the, the officers being shot. And so at that time, um, we were learning about what the assailant said in terms of what he was going, why he did what he did in terms of shooting the officers, Black Lives Matter, I want to kill white officers, I want to kill white people. I just thought those comments were a tad bit asinine in my mind yeah. for an individual. Well, you were strong about it the next day and well, just saying that that isn't what what is happening in Baton Rouge is about. Well, and, and, and not only that, I can speak to that from this perspective. I know what Alton's mother wants. Mm-hmm. She's told me directly, I know what she wants. She wants peaceful protest. She wants justice. She wants people to fight for her son, but she wants them to do it in a way that shows that we have some dignity and some some dignity and some integrity about who we are as a people because people are gonna paint this picture of Alton. We all knew it was coming. If they if they had any information to paint them negative, they would. We all knew that was coming. But all of those of us who are out here supporting him, we're, we're, we're people of integrity. We're people with some dignity. We care about our people. We have pride. And so that is what she wanted us to exhibit as we were protesting. I knew that. And so when I hear that an individual makes the comment, I want to kill all white people, I want to kill white officer, it goes against everything that we're trying to fight for. So uh, the... I want to before we move on to that evening because I want to talk about how the dynamic shifted on Friday when the protests moved over to PD headquarters right. up Airline Highway. You mentioned media people calling you and trying to lead you to make this connection between what was happening here and this guy's motivation in Dallas because there are people who believe that those two things are connected. You speak to, because you guys have in truth anybody paying attention know that all you've asked for people to do is be peaceful. But your response, talk a little bit more about the media trying to get you to make that connection or at least goading you into a position to where it looks like you're okay with what he did. Yeah, well, um, what they did, I'm going to say what they tried, what they did to me was they took me back to the first day. I was back in the morning like I was back out there the very first day. So I got a phone call from T.D. Jakes. Say, we need you to come to Dallas. I'm, I'm going to get you on a plane. So Mr. Cole had called me and say. Well, we, uh, I need you to go on this TV show. He said, mm-hmm. I said, mm-hmm. I need some prayer. Mm-hmm. I said, because I love, I, I'm losing my faith. And I said, I need some prayer. So i never been on a plane before. It was great. So when I got to Dallas, um, this was the most peaceful place ever. And I was at the Omni right down the street from where these people got killed. Yeah. I was right down the street, and I could look out my window and see. I didn't see a lot. Only, the only people I saw on the street were police, police officers. And um, Did the community know you were there? I mean, outside of people at the Potter's House? They found out afterwards. Okay. Um, nobody knew I was there because he had me really secluded. Mm-hmm. Actually, he wanted me to stay in the room. Um, to keep all of that away from me. To keep all that away from me. So um, after I got in my room and settled in, I said, no, I want to go out for a little while. So I went downstairs and asked him, say, where can I get my nails done? He said, right around the corner. It's got pretty pink toes and nails or whatever. So they were closed. So they said, mm-mm, you know who we got here? So they told him who I were. They said, oh, we're, we're back open just for her. So they opened just for me. So once I got there, um, something else happened in Dallas. Um, a blue light, a blue, the city turned blue. Well, something else had happened. 
and the police were scrambling. So as I was getting work done on me, they closed the doors. I'm like, what's going on? Nobody knew what was going on. Well, my thinking was somebody else was about to, you know, some another shooting was going on. We didn't know what was going on. So they closed the doors, and we stayed inside for about maybe an hour, okay. not knowing what had happened on the outside. So one of the girls that was working on me said, can we take a picture? I said, oh, no problem. Once we took the picture and they found out I was there, and we didn't know that she had put it on Facebook, within 20 minutes, she had well over 250 hits, and they were coming to that salon. So then they, we started to push out, we got to get you out of here. So we get in, they put me in a, uh, a golf court, and we going through the city. But as we going through the city trying to get me back to the hotel, we seen them coming, TV, everything. So I got to the hotel, and they whisked me in, I went back in. I'm like, this is just too crazy. And so you're there for a service. Was it a special service for you? At, no. Okay. It wasn't. It was for the um, the officers. Okay. And then they invited you. They to, invited to, me. Did Did you speak at that ceremony? I did speak. Okay. What'd you say? I did speak. Um, first of all, I told them I won't, we want peace all over the world. And um, TDJ stopped and said, "Well, let's do this. Let, let's do a hug section." That's fine with me. So the first one walked over to me was a um, a white police officer. So I said, okay, I'll give you a hug. Well, he hugged me and didn't want to let go. So here I am back at day one again. Because I'm not mad at police officers. I'm mad at the two that carried out that horrible act. And I hugged him and he whispered and said, I'm sorry. I said, wow. I didn't do anything, but by, just him, by him just saying, Cole, have I'm you heard sorry. this story before? Okay. Just by him saying, I'm sorry. I feel like I'm okay now. And I think that's what T.D. Jakes was trying to do, trying to get the world to see nobody's angry at police officers. We are not mad. We need you, you know, because I know at times we need, we're going to need Absolutely. you. It's just the bad ones that we don't need, and they're starting to, they're starting to come out. They're starting to expose themselves. We're starting to see the bad apples. Well, now it's up to you guys to get the bad apples out. Let's talk about... Friday night. Yes, sir. Protest moves yes, sir. to the HQ. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised at first, and I, it was must be sometime between 6 and 7. I hear there's about 50 people out there, you know, because I'm hearing from, you know, people that I know who are down there. Uh, I think I texted you that evening, mm-hmm. and within a couple of hours, you couldn't see the ground for the people mm-hmm. because the advocate was running a live feed. The young lady who was out there, they need to give her a full-time thing doing the live feed because right. she knew how to be quiet and just let what was happening happen. And we're seeing all the people there, and I must have been up till 1 o'clock watching it. And I guess somewhere around midnight, you, Senator Barrow, Ted, you guys are all, Tyrus, you guys are all trying to get everyone to calm down right. and leave because the te- I could feel the tension watching it on my iPad right. that you know, what was happening there, but you weren't having success. No, and at that point, I because the the crowd had dwindled and then right. built back up. Right. So then, what happened? Take us take us inside of that for those of us who weren't there. Well, it goes back to my initial statement about being organized in terms of protesting, and so one of the things. I recognize is that the police, when I got there, were organized and ready for war. It looked as if, though, you know, the the um, riot gear on, the mask, the, the AK 
47s, the, the snipers standing up on certain areas of certain buildings, I knew they were prepared if anything happened. And so when I show up, the first thing happens, I had no intentions of trying to talk to the crowd. Sure. None whatsoever. Right. I went there to protest with everyone else. All right. Peacefully protest. And even as things began to get a little tense, I was still on the side of the people. But what happened to me probably is a little different than everybody else. Okay, how? I start seeing so many of my students, current students, middle school kids, high school kids, and they all talking to me, and they all looking for me to do something. Mr. Cole, what we gonna do, what we gonna do? They, you know, Mr. Cole, I'm scared. This is what some of the kids are telling me. Scared in general or that night? That particular night at that moment, because what they came for was one thing, it was the whole science peacefully protest. What was going on, a standoff with police officers was frightening to them. These young people now, you know, 13, 14 years old, and, and so, I saw um, kids out there on the video picking up and bagging up trash. Yeah, I want to get to that too. Yeah. And so they they were scared and, and wanted to see something happen so such that they could protest peacefully, right? Well, at the same time this is going on, you got about 12 officers on the other side calling my name. Okay. Mr. Cole, Mr. Cole, yeah. Mr. Cole. All right, they see me out there interacting with the young people. They're sure. calling my name. And so I'm in a really, really interesting position. Because you're be also a, a member of the legislative body that oversees the police department along exactly. with the mayor's office. And not only that, as a, as a principal in the city for the last 14 years, right. I've had numerous career days and demonstrations and where programs police officers and people, have come. where police officers have come to the school to okay. speak with the young people. And then I work with them every day, you know, some of the resource officers and some of the police officers at different schools. And so they starting to call my name. And so... I go on that side where the police officer are talking to them and they say, well, I say, well, how can I help? And I said, how can I help keep this peaceful? And so we start conversing about different ideas. And the first thing I said was, why are you guys here? Why are you here like this? And they explained to me the kids had gotten into the street. They were blocking the highway, dust, dust, and so on. I said, well, they, you, you guys have the highway blocked off now. I said, this is a tense situation. And I'm standing there with, with, with those masks on face-to-face with those children. You guys are prepared for war with guns, masks, tear gas, sticks, and an army. We can't win. The people cannot win if this thing goes into a different direction. But some of those kids were shouting some things out there in the video. You know, I mean, they, they seemed like they were ready for a confrontation, too. They were. And again, it wasn't it. It wasn't a ton of them because it was so few of them. You can hear what they were saying. Yeah. But there were young folks out there screaming at the cops ready, ready to tangle. Right. Or at least they they said they were ready. Of to course, tangle. that's what they I mean. You know, if you, you, you find yourself in confrontation, you're not going to back down, even if it particularly when you're mad at the people who are trying to confront you. And so they were, yeah, but again, it is not the responsibility of the people to control themselves when they're frustrated and they're angry after having just watched two black males be killed in the street at the hands of police. And then police come out with guns and they come out with masks on and they come out in riot gear prepared as if though they're ready to kill some more black kids. So rightfully so they're upset. And so my conversation with the police officers was simply this, listen, we got to bring some calm and some peace to this situation one way or the other. Well, now egos have gotten involved. The police don't want to back down. The children are not going to back down. And, but the children can't win and the police can. So the conversation, um, and to some, it, it, you know, I shouldn't have got up there in retrospect. I think about 
how it made me look to a lot of people around the city and around how? the country. How? You know, I've been called a slave. I've been called the Uncle Tom. I've been called a police informant because I was on the police loudspeaker trying to speak to the crowd and come bring peace to the situation. That's fine and that's okay because in my mind, I was trying to save lives. And as a principal in my daily job, that's what I've been sworn to do. But anyway. I have to come back to that yeah, after you and, finish your thought. And so I, um, I said to the police, listen, you guys need to bag down. You guys need to go back across the street and allow these people to peacefully protest. Myself and about 10 other people, Regina Barrow, Tara Wicker, Ted James, Gary Chambers, Cleve Dunn, A.V. Mitchell, and a whole host of other adults, Tyrus Thomas, we all said, you guys go back across the street. We're going to stay here and work this crowd. Y'all go back across the street. And so um, they said, no, we want them to leave. I said, I'll tell you what. I'll get on the mic and ask them to leave because I know a lot of these children and we'll see what happens. I said, but if they don't leave and if this thing starts to unwrap, then I'm going to need you all to back down. And they said, well, we'll back down as long as they don't get in the street. And I said, well, I think with the 10, 15 of us here, we probably can manage this crowd. Because, again, people were protesting on all three corners. Sure. Police on one corner, protesters on all three corners, protesters who were, but it's only tents on one corner. Right. All right. And truth be told, the agitation was more on the side of the police than the young people. You follow me? Because... I if the police officers hadn't gone face to face as if though to intimidate them from coming into the street, well, all I, like I said, all I got is my attitude. So I can't give you, shoot you. I can't, I'm going to give you attitude. And so that's right. what the children were giving the police attitude. And in my mind, as a police department, you got to understand that these things are going to happen. Protests are going to take place. Kids are frustrated. They're angry and they're upset. You have to allow discourse to take as the elder said to me these things have a way of taking on a life of their own this is part of it allow it to take place your job is to protect them from being hurt looks like as if though they were protecting themselves and preparing to hurt someone well go ahead and that's what i want to say that was a small protest and those police did that we had almost three thousand people in the streets where at um at the store no police officers came out so I, I want to ask about that. Uh, so let me just, I'll, I'll come to that and then we'll come back to the aftermath of, of right. you speaking. The police department has said that they did not come out there because they did not want to instigate a confrontation or... or What's the difference? Uh, that, that's what... Oh, I can explain the difference. What's okay. the difference? It's about property. It's about property. Nobody wants to have that particular conversation. We're not so concerned in the economic infrastructure about the property in the hood. We just don't care about that, all right? Because the property in the hood is not owned by businesses. It's, they're oftentimes owned by individuals who have rented the property out. So if you're a renter, you're not a taxpayer. So we're not necessarily concerned. So people will say, we didn't want to go out there, we didn't want to incite a ride, we didn't want to do this, or we didn't want to do that, and I respect that. But the reality of the situation is police officers hardly ever come to the hoods, as we call it, unless there's an incident. You, okay. you follow what I'm saying? Your response to that? Yeah, because um, like I say, um, tonight Alton was murdered. It was a lot of police officers, but they were all behind the tape. That was the last time we seen police officers in the area, even to this day. That's the last time we seen. One day we had, I think, uh, two black officers came out, and they said, um, y'all doing a good job. And they left. That was it. Y'all doing a good job. Stay out the street. 
that was it. And on the other side of that as well, we're not mad with each other. If that makes sense. We're, we're not mad with each other. Everyone. What, what do you mean we're not mad with? Everyone at the protest location at the corner of Fairfield. You and mean North the people Foster, that are the out people there. People who are out there. We're not mad with each other. We're just there to support Alton, to celebrate his life, to continue to show that we support him and we support the family. So we're not mad with each other. And so rightfully so, we're, we're frustrated uh, with the police department for allowing this to happen, all right? Because you asked me earlier, did I think the police department was racist? No, but I do think police departments around the country have allowed certain things to happen by not addressing or not making sure that officers are properly trained on how to de-escalate situations. So let's go back now to Friday after you and all of the names you mentioned tried to calm these kids down and get them right. to leave, and they weren't having none of it. Right. What happened then? Because, I mean, I... I at about one o'clock, I had to tap out, well, <laughs> and what, so I didn't know what happened. But what ended up happening well, to get people out there? Well, out what there. happened then was exactly what I wanted to happen. The police said, "You tried. We're gonna go back across the street." That's all I wanted. I just wanted the tense situation to. to so once exist. the police went away, the the crowd started to disperse. Nah, they stayed. We you know we stayed out there till about two o'clock in the morning, and um, you know, but nothing but, happened. No, it was no, that's peaceful. that's the end of it. Okay. And then there was another protest on Saturday. Yeah, same March. thing. That one was more aggressive Saturday evening, but nothing. Nothing. There happened. was nothing that came of that. And then, of course, the same on Sunday. Well, again, I want to say this: it's the first time for all of us in the sure. city. And so I think what happens is, you know, the police learn something that Friday night as much as the people learn something that Friday night. And so I think what we both learned, and nobody's gonna, you know, this is not gonna sound popular. The police didn't want to necessarily kill anyone. But at the same time, you know, they're getting a lot of phone calls about why they're allowing this to happen on this property at this moment in this city. If that at the makes police department sense. headquarters? Yeah, they're getting a well, lot of Well, people have a constitutional them. right to assemble and protest. I mean, they, that, and that, that's pretty much the open and shut reality of it. And then on the other side, you know, the police department is saying, we you know, we didn't necessarily want them to get in the street on a, on a major state highway, sure. obstruct, you know, traffic on a major state highway. Because Airline Highway can be a track meet through there, depending right. on the time of the day. A couple things. People, there was, I didn't see it in the video feed, but you heard it from the advocate, and then people have talked about it since, about people throwing bottles. Uh, there was a story about an officer getting, getting hit in the face with a brick, mm-hmm. I guess someplace close to downtown on Sunday. That was Saturday night. Saturday night. Yeah. And, you know, people throwing things. Speak to that. Well, while I was there, I saw a lot of young people throwing water. All right, and, you know, water can't hurt you. So that that was that was the extent of it, you know. And 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 again, throwing water. But they we, shouldn't have been throwing water bottles. They should not have. But you know, it's human emotion, and we act on emotion. And you know, police certain police officers were making comments and saying stuff back to the to kids as they were saying stuff. You know, that's the part of the story. No one's gonna tell. But you know. It's, it's a human emotion thing. You know, police officers are there to protect them, mm-hmm. all, you know, in most cases, you know, and then the, the children are yelling and screaming. And, I, and I'm, I'm fine with all of that. I'm fine with the children protesting, being angry, being frustrated, because one of the things, you know, I've been told for a long time, and I learned this a long time ago, listen to the youth. Listen to the youth. I, I, you know, I, that's why I applaud the youth march on Sunday. It was so well organized. It was more organized than the one we put on Saturday. You know what I mean? So I, I do get it. But I was concerned about someone being killed because, again, it's our first time. Right. So we don't know. Your response? Um, I went out this morning and I was telling them that uh, it's our first time. 
we never had anything like this to happen. And the media and everybody's talking about, we don't know how to pro. I mean, it's our first time ever doing this. Right. What they stopped showing was these other cities, Atlanta, over 5,000 people were in the street. Shut the interstate down. Yeah. They stopped showing So much that. so the mayor had to say, yeah, yeah don't, don't do that. Shut the street down. Right. They didn't want that to show. In New Orleans, did you see how big the crowd was? Right. Police didn't interfere. Well, and that's because, and this is a conversation I've had with some law enforcement officials, um, you have to react to the process of protest, not try to stop it. React to the process of protest and not try to stop it. And again, in other places like Atlanta, like New Orleans, like Minneapolis, like Dallas, and various different places where they're protesting, one of the things that you, 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 you have to allow to have, because again, we're not mad with each other. All of us who show up to protest, we're not mad at each other. We're demonstrating to bring awareness and attention to the issue. We're disrupting the natural order of things to bring attention to the issue. The only time you're going to have a tense situation is when the police show up, and that's who we're upset with. Go ahead. Yeah, and that's, um, I think it was like on the third day after um, Elton got killed, I was heading home, and I heard, because I'm with Stop the Violence, I heard it had a, a shooting occurred. Right. On 49th Street. So I said, I got to go over here because this is my job. So once I got there, when I saw the crime tape, I got kind of scared. But I said, no, I got to get out this car. So they had assembled almost 40 people out there. Well, I'm seeing three ambulances leave. So I walk up to the front line, and it's this police officer, white police officer stamped there with this big, long assault rifle on his side. He had his hands folded in front of him. He had these hog ties, whatever these pink ties, these white ties were on his side. And he was stamped there with a smirk on his face. I say, look, and I'm talking to the people. I say, why y'all still here? I say, the ambulance just took all three victims. Like, why y'all still here? And I say, I seen y'all down the street. I say, if y'all say y'all love me, y'all need to come with me. And so he started to laugh. And I looked at him. I said, you laughing? I said, I'm going to get the last laugh. And I started crying, talking to him, because I couldn't see what was his position. Why are you standing with a saw rifle? These people here just trying to see what's going on. And I told him, I said, if y'all love me, y'all follow me. All 40 people turned around and we walked away. So as we get in our cars, I see another officer, must have been in charge of him, grab him by the arm, pull him away, go to the trunk, and I see him taking his, his gear off as if saying, what were you doing? And he put him in the back of the car, police car, in the back seat. So I see somebody saw an error, you know, because when we all walked away, they didn't have, what y'all what, what still here for? So... We're trying to keep the peace all over. So, so uh, back up just a little bit more, and then we're, we're coming to an end there. I know this is, uh, and before I before I even go to where I want to go next, is there anything we missed along the way in all of this conversation that you didn't get a chance to say or respond to or comment on? With me, I see a lot a lot of, um, they're trying to take the focus off of Alton by putting right. it on his kids, putting it on this. No, we need to stay on what happened that night. Alton was murdered. Right. Let's work on this. Everybody trying to put the focus on his kids, putting his kids on TV. Let's 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 focus on them so we can take no. Were you involved with the decision to put his son on television? No, because me and his mother agreed because we agreed that he wasn't going to be son's on, mother. Yeah, okay. Quinetta. We agreed that he wasn't going to be on television anymore because of the hurt that we that we experienced at that first conference we had. Do you agree with the decision to put him on television? No, because all they want to see is his hurt and his pain. He's a young kid. 
This is going to be with him for the rest of his life. Let's put something no else in his life besides his dad being murdered. Let's put something else in his thought process instead of thinking, waking up every day thinking, oh, my daddy being murdered. But let's keep him off the, keep him off the scene. Protect him. Protect him. Support him. Support his education fund or do that. Don't bring him out here. Y'all want to see his hurt. Y'all trying to work on the sympathy and trying to take the focus off what happened. Which that's what's happening. No, we're not going to let that happen. The the day after there was a press conference out in front of the convenience store mm-hmm. where Mike and a few people there called City Hall. Uh, it was was that what was that at City Hall? It was City Hall. City Hall, City Hall where they called for Mayor Kip Holden to resign mm-hmm. and Chief Dabity to be fired. Right. Okay. I think we both know neither one of those things are going to happen. Right. Right. Your response to that first as a city council city councilman because you're in the government uh-huh. with the mayor. And then the comment about the police chief as well. What's your response to that that request? Well, I think my response to the request, well, I mean, I really don't have a response to them requesting those two individuals to resign. I mean, that's about them. But I, I have Do you a, agree with the request? For them to resign for, yeah. for allowing this to happen? I neither agree nor do I disagree with those two individuals resigning. Um, I think I'm disappointed and how things have played out. I will I will say this, you know, and I won't speak about the mayor because he hadn't spoke about this incident at all, so I'm gonna leave him out of the conversation. Uh, I will say this about Chief Dabity. I, I, I think and I believe based on, you know, our conversations, because I've conversed with him uh, a number of times throughout this entire process, he, he's stuck between a rock and a hard space in terms of how he should proceed as a chief of police, even though the federal uh, and there's a federal and the U.S. Justice Department is coming in and taking over the case. And the FBI. And the FBI. He's stuck between a rock and a hard space in terms of being the leader of that group. And now being a leader myself uh, of, of, you know, over 100 people supervising three schools, I understand you want to support your people. I, but I have to tell you, personally speaking, yeah. I know him to be a decent guy right. and certainly not a racist. Yeah. I know Carl, I've known Carl Dabity for a little while and I don't judge people because they don't know. If, mm-hmm. And if you don't know someone there, the media can make anybody look like they want them to look mm-hmm. depending on how they present them. Mm-hmm. But my personal interaction with him is I don't see that. Now that's just me. Right. Okay. I can only tell the truth. If it was the other way, I'd say it. Yeah. I mean, you know me, I'd yeah. say it, Yeah. No, but I, I don't, that's not been my my interaction for you, 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 you. This cuts so close to home for you, obviously, because you raised him. This is just this is your son to you. I won't ask you about the whole resignation thing. You've already spoken on the fact that the mayor has not spoken to you at all. But your feelings on the police chief. And you can say how you feel because I haven't heard from you. Would um, you like to if he called you to. I don't know. What, 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 if he would call me and say, I'm sorry that that happened. There's an investigation going on. Uh, peace be unto you. That would be fine with me because that's what I heard from Sid Goldro. He whispered in my ear. I meant to ask you about yeah, that. He if you did. had you heard he, from he, Sid. Because I, I, I met him before and I, that's why I basically do my bonds at his facility sure. um, at the um, Parish, jail, yeah. parish mm-hmm. prison. Mm-hmm. And he said, my condolences to the family, you know, and just um, keep the peace. So, that made me feel a little calm. I have not heard from um, Mr. Dabney. What about Edmondson? I mean, he's kind of on the periphery of this, right? Lamont, he's on, on the outside ring of this. Uh, Mike Edmondson. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, well, he's just support. He's in a support in role, support role for been, what's happening because it's in, it happened in the state. He's been excellent. He has been 
he he he's been excellent. That's Mike Edmondson. Yes. So yeah, I know that the the services are on Friday. Friday morning. Friday morning, and people will hear this before then. And if at any time you you want to talk about what's going on in long form, same thing, Lamont. You know, we, we'll talk as long as you need to talk. This is podcast. It's people listen to it at their own pace. And so there's no rush. I don't have to do these in three minutes like all those years and, and talk radio. Right, I can take right. as long as I need to. So I'm, I'm not going to rush you. I want to ask you about, you know, just final thoughts, things that you want to say uh, to the public, both the community and law enforcement. I want to reiterate, too, because my sisters um, and my, uh, my cousin, they um they said that it, it might seem to be about me, 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 because I always say Alton's my child. So I want to reiterate that Alton is the son of my sister who passed away sure. um, a long, long time ago. And we raised Alton, but at sure. one point in time when, you know, Alton was with me and he was with me the majority of his life, not living with me, but I've been his supporter for a really, really long time. So when I say mother, I mean mother figure. Sure. He is truly my think, nephew. Yeah, and all that. my sisters, yeah. and we all raised him once his mother passed. So I want to just put that out there. But uh, we want peace. We want justice. Because um, we still hurting. We, we, we haven't even had a chance to, to really grieve yet. Because we out here trying to fight, 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 fight. We haven't even trying to grieve yet. We, we work. We basically going on emotions of other people. If I see you cry, I'm going to cry. Right. You know, if I keep seeing that video over and over again, I'm going to cry every day. And the media's putting it out there every day, and I've asked them over and over, it's killing me. Y'all killing me slowly. I had that same I conversation this thing every day. with somebody mm-hmm. last week. And it's, it's hard on us. It's hard on yeah. the family. I had that. You can't control social media. Not at all. But when uh, I, I did Bugs' show last week, and that was one of the things Gift that I talked curse. about, that you just, if, if, if the decision was mine, I would have probably embargoed that to just say, we're not going to do that anymore because it's out there on the internet. And once it's out on the internet, it ain't ever going away. So you don't have to sit down every evening right. and see that on the six o'clock or, or 10 o'clock news. I asked, this was the last question, one of the last questions I asked Ted mm-hmm. yesterday, and I was going to ask you this, and with you here, it's, it's, it's going to hold even more weight. If the Justice Department comes back and they choose not to indict or prosecute or go after these officers, what do you think, what will be your reaction? What do you think will happen here? Uh, my reaction would be complete disappointment. Sadness, I'd probably shed a few tears, honestly, because it would be tragic if the Justice Department came back with uh, those findings. And then I would get frustrated. Then I would get extremely angry. Uh, and then I would get mad like a dog, probably. Um, I'd reach out to Sandra, reach out to the family, offer my sincere condolences. And then, um, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, we, we'd be getting a whole process of protesting all over again Very, it's a it's a real po- possibility it's when you've got two options yeah that i talked to the mayor and um i already apologized the mayor no not the mayor um president not the president governor governor i yeah. talked to the governor and i apologized when we had a, a sit-in he said what are you apologizing for i said i'm apologizing for the accident that might happen if this if these officers get off and, and he just shook his head and i and, and, and what do I think is going to happen here? Complete and utter chaos. 
I, I, I do not think that on any level the people, black and white and everything in between, are going to stand by and hear a verdict or hear a result that allows these two men to continue living their lives peacefully while Alton rests in peace will be a good thing for the city of Baton Rouge, the state of Louisiana, or these United States. It will not be good. I think that in Minnesota they came out swiftly and said and labeled his death a homicide. So someone has to be charged if it's a homicide. And so I think that's brought some calm to that community in that state and the city where the event took place. But I think here, um, you know, those of us who are in elected uh, official positions, we, you know, we requested an outside investigation independent be done for you know fair and partial review of the what happened uh, we got that um, we're requesting a special prosecutor be appointed hopefully we'll get that but ultimately what we want is justice I think there is no reason no reason at all for those two officers to have gotten a call to come to private property where a man had permission to be there and whatever ensued prior to what we saw in the video and whatever happened after what we saw in the video, nothing should have led to Alton Sterling being dead as a result of that particular event. Nothing, there's absolutely nothing. Somebody did something wrong. And we have to start asking ourselves, and hopefully this is part of the next steps after we make it through this cycle, we have to start asking ourselves, what are we doing wrong? Because why couldn't the police officers have shown up and said, hey, we got a call, you have a gun and you pointed it at someone. Do you mind if we talk about it? And at that moment, if Alton wasn't agreeable to that, the first thought process is we got to protect him. Because we're sworn officers and that's what we're supposed to do. We got to protect him. There's no reports of Alton pulling a gun shooting it. There's no video that shows where he went in his pocket. There's no nothing that suggests to us that he was intending to hurt police. Matter of fact, all we know is he was there selling CDs like he does every single day at that store where he had permission to be there. And so again, that store owner has shown so much courage. He's been so supportive. He's allowed uh, these demonstrations to take place at his store every single day. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll, we cannot forget about that. But again, he's not trying to take any attention away from what happened because he's painted Alton's face on the outside of the store so everybody who passes by understands we can't forget that. That's where our focus should be. So I'm a little concerned, a little fearful. I have a wife. I have a child. Um, you know, my, my daughter is, wa is watching these images on television each night. She's seeing me on TV. Then she's seeing the split screen go to the images of protests and the police and, and riot gear. And she's keep, she keep asking me every morning when I leave, you going to fight again? You going to fight again? That's tough. That's tough for a four-year-old to see because she hasn't made she can't separate what she's seeing on on television. And so quickly, because I, I, we didn't talk about this uh, at all, really. The outside groups who have come into town, I've heard you um, make the 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 separation between people who are coming here to peacefully protest mm -hmm. and people who have other agendas, whatever those other agendas may be. Mm -hmm. I just just finally here would like whatever your thoughts are on that. We're gonna keep it peaceful in the city of Baton Rouge. Whether you live here, whether you're visiting here, or whether you visit here and you plan to stay, uh, as it relates to seeking justice for Alton Sterling, we're going to keep it peaceful. And we're going to encourage everyone else to do the same. I concur with what he said. Because a lot of those, are, when, when I see people that I don't know, I ask questions. Because now I'm asking questions. I'm like, because I'm, I'm, I got to watch my surroundings. So if I see somebody unfamiliar, 
I'm asking, what are you doing? Like, we don't, why are you walking around with a gun when we having a piece? He said, well, just what we do. You know, Louisiana is a, a carry-on yeah. state. Mm-hmm. You're coming from a whole other state. That's right. Well, nobody knows you right. with a gun on. I'm thinking, I don't know you. Which could lead to all to kinds of other else. problems. Yeah, and I yeah. said, you shouldn't be walking around with a gun. I say, so I'm Alton's mother on. You're going to have to leave. Right. He left. Okay. Uh, Lamont. Thank you for man, having us. Outstanding. Yes, sir. Sandra Sterling and Lamont Cole. Podcasts have become a great way to get radio on demand. If you've wanted your own podcast, the time to call us is now. This year, Podcast 225 will be launching new shows and yours can be one of them. You won't have to build your own website and you'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment that will make your show sound amazing. If you'd like to know more, call 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Be a part of the on-demand audio movement today. This is the Clay Young Show on Podcast225.com. Well, there you have it. Take from that what you will. It was a very long conversation with a host of information in there that most of the public did not know about. I do think she is not interested in being all over television. The media has been out there to cover a lot of what's been going on. You heard her position on... Alton Sterling's son being on television. She's not okay with that. You also heard her say that she does not think the Baton Rouge Police Department is racist. She talked about Colonel Edmondson and Sheriff Gotro. Lamont Cole admitted that Chief Dabity is between a, in between a rock and a hard place. It's just so many opinions there. And again, I know that some people heard that and some opinions may have been softened, some changed, some hardened, some understood and agreed with what they heard some vehemently disagree the point was to let you hear it for yourself and make up your mind for yourself hit the subscribe button for the show and you'll catch it generally every week but over the next few days we've got conversations coming up with East Baton Rouge Parish school board member David Tatman Scott McKay the editor of the Hayride a conservative blog, he will be here to give his perspective on this. And as I said, our next show, the 75th edition of the Clay Young Show, the 76th edition, thank you very much, of the Clay Young Show here on podcast225.com will feature former Baton Rouge Police Chief Pat Inglade as we talk about the last couple of weeks' incidents, his position on what's going on in this town. And I think that he will speak on behalf of law enforcement, and I look forward to hearing from him thanks again for hitting that subscribe button and downloading the show on itunes you can also download and get the show on the podcast app and of course we appreciate all of you listening and all of your feedback you can catch us also on the talk 107.3 mobile app and of course at podcast 225.com thanks for listening join us next week for another edition of the clay young show